0: Uh, I wanna welcome everyone to the, our, this week's session with conversations with our priests. Tonight we have the Reverend M. Edwin Beckham from the Church of Good Shepherd in Covington and the Reverend Jane Mitchell Weston from St. Simons and Conyers. And I'll give you a little information on them and then we'll uh, get started. Um, Edwin has served as sheepdog to the flock, a good shepherd since uh, 2013. He first served at Emmanuel in Athens for four and a half years after ordination. He grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, and has been in and out of the metro area for, well, since since the 80s. He was living in Roswell with his wife, Laura, and sons working in software when the family uprooted for his Master of Divinity Studies at the uh, Seminary of the Southeast. Edwin seeks beautiful sacrament focused worship, inspiration from the ancient church and spiritual practices that help us all grow in faith and holiness. Pilgrimage is the lens, we are always on a journey. He loves music across genres, especially good live music. You too played a part in his reconversion to, the, to Christianity as a young adult because of the spiritual and devotional qualities of their shows. <clears throat> um, he enjoys getting in the outdoors, hiking along rivers and ridges, and would like to do more canoeing and I think get back to tennis. He says his biggest fan is his King Charles Cavalier Spaniel Nigel. Jane is a priest in charge at St. Simons and Conyers, one of the more culturally diverse parishes in the Diocese of Atlanta. One of her favorite things in ministry is helping members of her congregation find their gifts and roles in ministry. She's originally from Kentucky, where she attended attended law school before heading to practice law in uh, Los Angeles. There she met her husband and the her, her husband Hal in the courtroom. They moved to San Francisco, where she continued her litigation practice. Having grown up a Baptist, she mit- uh, migrated to the Presbyterian Church, but in San Francisco was enticed into the Episcopal Church because they asked questions. She completed a cif- certificate of in theological studies at the uh, Church Divinity School of the Pacific um, in Berkeley. In 2009, she and her husband moved to Atlanta where she entered the Diocese of Atlanta's discernment program and attended Canberra School of Theology. She maintains her bar membership and be- has become a registered mediator in, the, in Georgia to bridge her professional worlds. And tonight, um, our subject, interestingly, is Advent in COVID tide. Say that real fast three times. <laughs> but um, as usual, we're going to ask uh, Jane to open our session with a prayer. Thank you. Um, I'm going to open
1: with my favorite collect that. It's for the the third Sunday of Advent, and I find this to be a collect that I wish we could pray every Sunday. So let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever amen
0: amen amen thank you that's a beautiful collect i like i love it every third sunday myself so okay i'm going to turn it over to you two and just have at it and we'll sit back and listen
2: thanks very much jim um and thanks to you also nora for making this happen and um doing all that, that logistical work and constant communication kind of work that that brings us together tonight. Um, it's, it's good to be here. Um, we, Jane and I hope that we'll just have some fun and maybe um, share our sort of take on Advent. And uh, hopefully there'll be, you guys will have questions uh, that will help us sort of flesh out how you see Advent as well. And um, we're just, we're glad to be here tonight and to, to be with you. Um, yeah, so we were going to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, first of all, let me well let me let me before I go there, let me back up one click. Um, this is the first of these conversations, right in the Advent season. And so the natural the natural topic as we changed church seasons was to, to talk about Advent. Um, it happens to be my favorite season and I'll say more about that in a little bit. but hopefully, hopefully, We can just be a pretty decent warm-up for the awesome Kathy Zappa next week, um, who I think is going to be here with some other person. Oh, right, right. It's Barbara Brown Taylor.
0: She might be here with Barbara Brown Taylor.
2: (laughs) That's right. One of the most famous Episcopal priests in the the world. Um, And, And we'll have her book for sale here, too. There you go. There you go. Get that plug in. Edwin and
1: I will be signing copies of our books after this session as well. That's right.
2: Oh, good. Yes. Whatever. Look on the the bookshelf behind Jane. There are plenty of books. There are plenty of them, right? (laughs) Um, No, I wanted to get in a dig at Barbara. Um, I was blessed to be on the student lecture committee at my seminary in the the spring or the year of 2007-8, when finally, finally, after asking Barbara to come for Three, four, five years in a row, she was able to come out to seminary at the Southwest in Austin, Texas, and be our guest lecturer, and um, got to have dinner, sit next to, to, to Barbara at dinner, and, uh, and host her there at the seminary, and it was fantastic. So I'm glad that you guys have scored Barbara and Kat, the great Kathy Zappa, a friend and a fantastic priest, um, for next week. Um, yeah. So what? Can, what else can we say about ourselves? I mean, I. I, um, I grew up in South Carolina, but I'm, I am a priest of this diocese, sort of uh, brought along to this point by Bishop Alexander, or should, to, to the point of ordination and, and getting started by Bishop Alexander. Um, I, I thought about this today. It hit me. I, I have known Bishop Wright about the same amount of time, however, that I've known Bishop Alexander. Um, I was in my vocational discernment process. I interned with Bishop Wright, then um, Father Wright at St. Paul's Atlanta in the fall of 2003. And so um, I feel very close to both of those great bishops of our church. Um, I grew up Presbyterian and, and a sort of wing, this conservative wing of the Presbyterian church called the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, that was, those were my formative years um, took place. Before um, finding my way into this calling into seminary uh, in the 2000s, well, in the 90s, I did some studies in civil rights history uh, at the University of Georgia and then the University of Maryland, thinking I was going to be a professor of civil rights history. And so that's still a big part of who I am and what I'm interested in and what I'm passionate about. Um, But I did did leave the, the academic world for the more sort of, rounded world of um the priesthood as, as when the church finally agreed that that was my calling and i'm delighted to be here um jim did a good job of talking about music i'm, I'm a music lover i a would-be music player from way back but i kind of gave up on that a long time ago um but love to talk about music as as well so look me up for that sometime jane what about you
1: Oh, golly. I think, I think everything about me was said, uh, said earlier. Everything. I will oh. tell you all one thing, though. I, sometimes we were doing Zoom church. I sat right here and we were having our Zoom coffee hour. And one of my parishioners said, hey, Rev, all those books behind you, all those books on religion and have you read them? And I'm just like, um, actually, most of my books on religion are in another room or at the church. These are my cookbooks. And so uh that you know that's something about me that some people don't know. You know cookbooks, decorating books, I have a number of those kinds of things. Edwin, one thing that I want people to know about us yes. is that um we are friends outside of you know the church stuff that we do right. and um our churches we Conyers is about 12 miles as you go east on I-20, Conyers is about 15 miles past the perimeter. And then Edwin, I guess, Covington is about 12 to 15 miles beyond that. Is that right? That's
2: right. That's right.
1: And so um, we are, our churches, I plugged them into um, GPS today, and I see that we're actually 12 miles apart. So um, a lot of times people say that churches can get competitive, but I appreciate that Edwin and I are very collaborative in a lot of the things that we do. Um, One of the things I will tell you that I always appreciated is my first week in Conyers. Um, I think it was the first week that Edwin and his then associate rector uh, showed up on my doorstep just to welcome me to the neighborhood. And that has been a great thing. And one of the things that we started doing together prior to COVID is we started collaborating and actually doing some services together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've done two, if not three, choral even songs together. Our musicians work together, we work together well, our choirs work together. And you know, I, I, I think of those even songs and how most people would not have expected the beautiful music coming out of those services uh, from yeah. churches of our size. so right. I like our collaboration.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, just putting, putting those voices together um, and putting our efforts together is, is greater than the whole somehow. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of that as well. Um, we look forward to having you back here. Um, I think it's our turn next, and we look forward to having you back here as soon as possible.
1: That will be great. Yes. So Edwin, let's turn to our topic of the evening. Indeed. Let's talk about Advent.
2: Yeah, so my favorite season. Let's be clear about that. Um, and gosh, what is that? What's that about? I, sometimes I wonder—is it just about like the anticipation? Anticipation I had as a kid of waiting for Santa to come. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm, let's be honest—that's got to be part of the picture because I I really really get into Advent. Um, and as a kid, there was you know you were looking at the Sears catalog. And you were circling the things that you wanted for your Christmas list, and you were crafting your list very carefully and strategically for what Santa um, could do for you. Uh, but that was that was a big part of my Advent, and to be part of that, of course, is that I did not grow up in a liturgical church, and so there was no talk of Advent in church, right? Um, the church was probably decorated with red bows, and for Christmas, you know, pretty much by early December. So, um, but but. I, have, I would like to think that I've grown well beyond the anticipation of Santa Claus um, of my youth and into what, what the, the church has, has given us in, in this beautiful tradition about Advent. So what are we talking about? We're talking about watching, right? We hear we, it's in the gospel, the gospel we heard this past week, waiting for God's work in the world, taking time for reflection on, on the, even the need for God to come in the world, right, to come into the world. Um, looking for where God may be showing up next in the world. And there's this whole, right, this pregnant pause of a moment where we know something is coming and we're not quite sure exactly what it's going to be. And we're waiting for that. Um, some reflection, to be sure, Jane, we'll talk more about this. Some reflection in Advent on our, our mortality and our frailty
0: yeah. and our,
2: our, our need and, and God's judgment of our, our, our uh, shortcomings, right? Our need for repentance. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the anticipation of, of all that being, um, being handled, and being taken care of in that baby that's coming in a manger. That's my, that's my, my gut take on.
1: it. You know, it's one of my favorite seasons too. One reason, I know this sounds terrible, but it's, it is a, it is a, it is a month long, right? It's a doable season. You really can get into it. And um, it doesn't go for a particularly long period of time. And when, it's funny, both of you, neither of us grew up in a liturgical tradition. So I think maybe we gravitate toward it more strongly because we didn't have it for so long. But I I love the idea of the new year. I always have enjoyed that um uh, you know i was the person that would sit in my room on new year's eve and write the resolutions reflecting on my past year and kind of coming up with all the things that i wanted to be doing in the new year yeah. so that the church gives me a month to reflect and consider i you know i i'm i'm all in i think that's kind of a cool thing
2: absolutely
1: uh, yeah and or as sundays um this coming sundays gospel says you know prepare the way of the lord that whole time to to contemplate and figure out how one does that in one's life. I think it's 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 a good season for me.
2: But I, go ahead.
1: No, you go ahead.
2: Well, I'd um I'd like to quote very briefly um, the good Bishop Neil Alexander from this delightful book. Everybody see that? It's a bit of an academic book, and I can I can get it in the comments later if you want, but um Advent is an, it's an old season. I mean, some of the things that we do in the church have only come around, um, surprise, surprise, in the last three, four, 500 years. Advent seems to go back to like the fifth, fourth, fifth century, but here's what he says. From the eighth century onward, there's evidence of the continuing struggle between the more ascetical approach, that is the terror characteristic of France in that early period, and the sense of joyful longing and expectation, the text of promise that seems to have been characteristic of the Roman part of the church at that time. From the 8th century, there's been this tension in Advent between, um, between Christ's second coming and the, uh, the sort of terrifying aspect of that and what that's about, and the promises. Promises of, like, of the incarnation of Jesus coming into the world and God coming into the world. To sort of be here with us in this moment, um, and he says later on in this book to just don't let that be, let that tension be. Don't try to don't try to resolve it, which I think is pretty cool.
1: If Bishop Alexander can say just kind of live in that tension, that makes me feel a lot better because I'm all I always am kind of torn. Should I be heading in this direction or the other direction? Edwin, you 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 bring up a scholarly tome, and I'm going to be. I told you I have cooking and decorating books behind you. I want to talk about
2: rock and roll Let's be clear.
0: I want to talk about
1: liturgical colors. We generally gravitate. We we basically wear the colors that our church has in the sacristy. Right. But are you a blue? Are you a blue vestment guy during Advent or are you a purple one? And I'll I'll tell you that if you look at my television, it has my blue stole on it. So I am definitely a blue kind of girl. Um, I love the idea of the joyful anticipation. And I think knowing that Lent is coming up so soon, I, I definitely gravitate toward that joyful anticipation. And I think this year, especially since we need some joyful anticipation, but I'm I kind of go all Ricky Bobby. Oh uh, yes, that movie, right? I'm kind of a Ricky ba- Bobby. I like the baby Jesus. That's that's where I go in Advent. So I I vote blue.
2: Yes, probably not everybody has seen Talladega Nights, but there's uh, there's something about the gold, the sweet baby Jesus and his golden diapers, and yeah,
1: yeah. I I I have to say I'm a Ricky Bobby girl, and I'm going with blue. Do well, I teach you with purple?
2: So this is, yeah, this is a bit tough for me because um, I think more and more um, as, I, as I sort of learn more about Advent and, and sort of learn about the breadth and depth of Advent, I kind of, I, I'm more, into, I more appreciate that um, the penitential side of it, the side of awe and of wonder and of, of, of wow, you know, um, thank goodness God is coming to the world because we've really screwed it up, right? Um, and so maybe that points us towards purple, uh, and towards that violet color of Lent. But here's the thing, and and that's, and I, 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 can own that. I can own that. Here's the thing is that Good Shepherd did not have, um, any of those violet or purple pyramids when I got here in 2013. Our, our altar was bare for, for Lent and for Advent. Uh, and we had some, we had some purple, um, vestments you know for the the priests and so forth but nothing for the altar so i took that opportunity to get blue when when i had a lovely donor who said i want to you know what do you need to flesh out and fill out the church's um hangings and pyramids so i went with this gorgeous gorgeous royal blue um and so i'm 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 caught in between um, I wish I could get, so, show you a picture of this this stuff right now it's so it's just absolutely stunning this this blue this deep blue so yeah, personally I think um I'm pulled uh, more and more in that sort of that sense of awe and and uh and, and a little bit of judgment that's part of advent but um but yeah we have blue here and it's gorgeous and I love it <laughs> um, so does that make me Jane, if if that's if you're a Ricky Bobby girl, does that make me uh, a Jean Girard uh, kind of guy? I
1: think very yep. possibly. <laughs> I think it does.
2: The Sasha, the Sasha Baron Cohen character, <laughs> uh, who becomes Ricky Bobby's uh, uh, nemesis, and um, you know, I, I guess I try not to see God even in Advent. I, I try not to see God as this conniving and competitive God, right? Um, that's not the God that we know as, as, as Christians, certainly as Episcopalians. But, um, but maybe God is sort of ulti- as, as, this, as this victorious figure. Um, Advent for me is this time when we're reminded that, that the God we know will eventually come to set things right. And there's some fierceness in that. Um, there's this fierce quality of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'm Jean Girard. And by the way, I am a, I am a Formula One fan and do follow these things. So okay, it's so, interesting. so here's, go ahead.
1: No, you go ahead.
2: Well, I got a question for you in the same thing. Oh, no. um, music, Advent hymns. Um, does everybody know that we have Advent hymns, by the way, that are separate from Christmas hymns? I think oh, you're Episcopalians, yes. you know that. Um, <laughs> So Jane, are you are you a low he comes with clouds descending kind of priest? Or, or are you a come now long expected Jesus?
1: I think I'm a come now long expected Jesus.
2: I'm into yeah, that. I definitely go in nothing that long, direction. Nothing like equally great him. I, um, you know, I, mean, I I tear up. I cry. Wait, if we anytime we start advent one with low he comes um oftentimes it's the it's the opening hymn and the procession i just i mean it makes me cry same here yeah
0: when when they come to the hallelujahs yeah it just i just have to stop singing and listen
2: yeah right right that's right i have to stop singing (laughs) and what's that about you know i mean what's that about it's a for me i think it's about um i have all kind of hopes for this world and i try to do my best and I know that most people are trying to do their best, but man, we really mess it up sometimes. And um, it's just really good to know that we have, we, we believe in this God who is, is going to set things to right, you know, out there, set things to rights out there and at, at some point. Um, it's just, it's the most comforting thing ever to me.
1: We talked a bit. You and I, have, as we were thinking about today, we talked about some of the traditions of Advent in our yeah. respective yeah. parishes that we um, that are meaningful to us. You want to speak to what you all do and what what is seems a little empty this year, perhaps?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm still I'm still a big fan of the advent wreath i think i'm a new enough episcopalian and not having grown up with the advent wreath the, to really still love that idea this super simple super practical way that we can observe the season at home you know we um so and, and not every parish that i've been in as a as a parishioner or vestry member or um as a priest has has had a tradition of making advent wreaths but uh the ones i've, I've always loved that where i've been and I, I helped bring it back here at good shepherd when i got here um you know, have that, that communal time of making Advent wreaths on that Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, or maybe the one before, uh, and then everybody having something they can have at home on their table to observe the season. And and here's here's the prayer, very simple prayers, set of prayers from Forward Movement that you can use. Um, for me, that's a great teaching tool and something that I that were that I missed this year. I really missed the opportunity to, to to get that out to people. Um, that we talked about this, you have a similar experience that, you know, sort of the gradual filling up of the bins in the parish hall as Advent proceeds with with toys or with food, canned food that we're collecting. Um, long tradition of that toy collection here at Good Shepherd and I'm, um, that's different this year. Um,
1: yeah, somehow writing checks isn't quite as um rewarding is is watching the parish hall fill with toys and food and all the different things the hustle and bustle of the season. Absolutely. It was definitely that.
2: We um we did again not most of the parishes that I've been in didn't have a sort of greening of the church tradition. Um but Laura and I Laura's on the call here watching um my wife Laura as we were um driving by the church the other day I I said to her something along the lines of, well, we we usually put up Advent wreaths on the outside doors, but the doors, there's nobody passing in in and out of the doors right now. And can we get, I wonder if we could get something up that, that will, people will see from the street, from the main street. And uh, we ended up in this impromptu greening of the church. Um, A few days later, we got some Advent wreaths. uh, Our flower guild ordered them from the Christmas tree farm, and we picked them up, and we had a lovely Saturday few hours with a couple of other um, parishioners putting up Advent wreaths outside in a visible way that says, hey, we're, we're still here, we're still doing church, we're still doing this season, even if we're not, you don't see us coming and going a lot.
1: You know, Edwin. it's funny you say, uh, talk about the Advent wreath. I actually use that in my sermon for Sunday. We, we videotaped ours earlier today and normally in the church in the nave, the Advent wreath is hanging high, and oh, the, very, you know you look at it and it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And this year, as we are doing our services, we've moved it over to really almost in the center aisle. And so as I'm doing services, no that it, it's 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 gone from Advent being there to Advent being very close. You know, it's very tactile. I can touch the wreath. I can smell. it the greenery on it so i got this holy spirit advent stuff advent has kind of gone from there to something that's really much more
2: interior this year that is totally yeah. holy spirit stuff jane that i mean that didn't come up before and um on that on that set this past saturday when we were doing this stuff our our uh, flower guild person and her husband were inside working on the wreath inside while laura were hanging laura and i were hanging wreaths outside and um I walked in there to see what they had done and they had left it in the center of the aisle yeah where we've never had it
1: and, thought, and
2: it's just i think that's the right place
1: i think that's the right place yeah i think it is the right place yeah yeah oh that's this but, year but you know it's interesting i mean i, I think we, we we both have these wonderful traditions in our churches and you know i love flanking our altar with trees right we start out with bare trees and Then we put lights on them and then we put red balls that symbolize, you know, paradise. And so each year we sort of have, again, that joyful anticipation up to the day. Um, But yeah, something about Uh, the bustle is definitely not with us this year, but but it's okay. It's all okay. It is. Uh, You know, it's interesting because so many of us are thinking about what is different this year, you know. That just seems to be kind of a constant on our minds that we can't be doing X and Y. But what about the what about the season remains the same from your perspective?
2: Right, right. Well, I'll take your I'll steal your line. I think you were the one who said it first when we were getting ready. That human nature hasn't changed. Um, I will add to that God God hasn't changed. So maybe there are all kind of things that ought to be the same, um, yeah. this, in this Advent. Um, for me, you know, I think of um, of that the turning of the church year. Yeah, you know, that like you said at the beginning, another an opportunity to to, to have a new a new year to start over. Um, the waiting, the watching, the being ready that Jesus called us to in the gospel last week. Um, the anticipation and the longing, you know, for for um for the light, for the light that's coming into the world. Um, these these are the things that are are the same for me. What else? What else do you think?
1: Yeah, I, and I I think that we always have that um need for a time prior to Christmas to. To anticipate i, I mean I, I just i think I, I i call advent and also lent um kind of a, a container for us to do the work that we need to be doing right awesome. there's a real sense of um you know there's a definite beginning and there's an end and in that period of time what's the work that needs to get done and and you're right we're still people and god's still god and um that doesn't change. And then I also think it's probably not a bad thing for us to recognize that, you know, we're not the first people that have gone through difficult times, right? Right. Um, right. Obviously we're going through quite a season right now with COVID and politics and everything. But, you know, we aren't the first people that have that have been in these seasons of turmoil.
2: Yeah, plagues, persecutions, wars. Think, yeah, exactly. Yeah we We think about it's very quickly we think about the um the spanish flu pandemic of nineteen eighteen and nineteen um but at the same time we, you know think about our my grandfather uh, was a young child during that war um we many of us know have parents and grandparents who lived through world War II and um yeah people have been through some some pretty awful things um and thank God that we have we have them we have our own family members and their member the memories of them and we have these poets who, who remind us that um that maybe we too can can make it through this in our own you know with god with god with us right um here's something that i can't help but say um i, I posted a photo on facebook the other day after being out walking with the dog uh pat looking noticing you know how many how many people had Christmas trees up. This was, I don't know, a week ago, noticing how many people had Christmas trees up and and so forth and decorations. To be sure, we started decorating here in Covington, Georgia, officially public decorating by the city on November the 2nd, November the 2nd, Christmas. Um, The garlands on the fence posts. But what my picture that I posted on Facebook was of uh, the, the front of a house looking at it from the street and there were the pumpkins from Halloween not, they weren't carved, they weren't jack-o'-lanterns, but the autumn pumpkins from Halloween timeframe on the porch and then the Christmas bow on the mailbox, right? So we live in this time when, um, and I don't know that much about medieval advent, but we live in this time when, when everything between Halloween and Christmas is just compressed into one season, right? That's what the culture does with it. It's one holiday season and it makes it really hard. To um, I think to observe increasingly hard to observe Advent, um, it maybe makes Advent sort of more countercultural than it. It seems like from what Bishop Alexander said, it's been countercultural in many ways for a long time, but it's even more so now. And um, I, I wonder how it's sort of how we how various people deal with this. Everybody maybe you know who's trying to who's trying to observe Advent as a separate season may have their own strategy and it will be, maybe that's something we could talk about in the Q&A.
1: One of the things that I've always found, and then I'm actually kind of watching our time and I know what yeah. we have ahead of us. Right. But one of the things that I've always found um, a little frustrating about Advent, especially when I was practicing law, is that, you know, the church is telling us all, slow down, it's Advent, right? And they're doing that in December when most of us were all, you know, crazy busy trying to get year end things done. So, you know, I I think we also still have that kind of tension going on. I think that's, um, sometimes it almost sounds disingenuous when we're telling people to slow down when we know that they've got, I'm looking at one of my parishioners who I know year end is crazy for her. (laughs) And, um, you know, I used to have to get my billable hours done by the end of the year right. so that anything right. that i needed to get done had to get done in this time that i'm supposed to be you know in this so anyway I, i'm not quite sure that that necessarily has changed about advent right. even a little That's bit right
2: it makes it some um, and, and you, you don't want to feel you don't want people feeling guilty mm-hmm. about um you know not being able to to be contemplative or quiet or whatever but um but yeah and i, I feel that tension myself i mean i've Back and forth, but I mean, Laura is a teacher. I, you know, I was I knew the academic world well for a long time. It's the same way. Everything's crashing down at the in the middle by, in the middle of December, and um, you're trying to get you're trying to buy Christmas presents and be ready for Christmas. And yeah, how do you how do you stop and, and slow and and have have some quiet?
1: So is that what you try to do during the season?
2: It is. It is. I, I'm, you know, not always successful. Um, you know, having a book, having some kind of Advent study, it helps me. I always try to be, look, have a book to read, and I, I usually am not very faithful with it every day or whatever. Um, I'll talk about that in a little bit with about the parish, what we're doing different this year. But um, yeah, the big paradigm for me that I think I keep coming back to, I in the, in the fall of 2003, at that, that Thanksgiving, when I was in the discernment process with, for the priesthood with the Diocese of Atlanta, um, I was kind of turned away at the end of that process uh, by the, by the, the facilitators of, that, of my group and um, told you know maybe, maybe I wasn't called to be a priest. And that was really hard to hear, as you might imagine. So over the Thanksgiving holiday, I talked to Laura about it and decided I needed to go on a retreat and take some time just to have quiet and prayer. And so I did that. Advent one, um, two thousand three, I went to the Monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia, the Trappists, for the first time, and learned about contemplative prayer and spent a lot of time in silence. Uh, and decided that uh, I don't—I wasn't quite done with the questions and with the, the search. And that led me to conversations with Bishop Alexander and so forth and on to you know to being ordained eventually so um that that sense of um you know the possibility of advent for stopping listening discernment has always has been always been a really been a big deal for me ever ever since then for sure
1: hmm. i didn't know that story i like that one
2: yeah yeah i've got been lucky to be close to the monastery now and get to go back on a regular basis right
1: yeah Definitely.
2: Well, it's um, are there other ways um, how do you uh, how do you try to keep Advent you know, amidst the, the hustle and the bustle and the year- end stuff? I Have you got you, any better at it?
1: I, I am getting better at it. I think I learned to slow down my first year as a priest. My parishioners will remember this. Uh, my first year, my first advent was a little it was very busy. And on the 4th Sunday of Advent I actually baptized a great niece. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And not only did I baptize her but I of course decorated my house. I had company coming in from all over the country. I have all these cookbooks so I cooked this massive meal and after the baptism hosted 40 people at my house <laughs> for our Advent lunch or you know so baptism advent lunch and I promptly got sick. Ah. Uh and uh did not make my first christmas eve as a priest because i had been doing everything that i was counseling other people to do so i think that was probably a good lesson for a first year priest to learn that really this advent season is about so i think since then i've really tried to um carve out more time yeah I think this year we we even though we're all still busy and it seems like our work takes even more time than normal it is different and we do have you know we're in our homes more and i so i really am trying to carve out time when my cats wake me up at 5 a.m rather than rolling over i get up and sit in my favorite chair and have a cup of coffee and just oh, wow. enjoy the quiet and give my husband and i live in decatur so um I have like a 35, 40 minute commute and usually, you know, I'm listening to different things on the radio. And one of the things that I do during the season is I just turn all of that off and just, I guess I grab quiet when I can grab it and, and maybe get, get hooked on that a little bit. Right. And, and seek more of that.
2: Good for you. I'm, I am I'm. I need more of that, I think. I need the courage to, to grab the quiet and not to think, I'm, well, the quiet for me should be reading something else. <laughs> That's my quiet. I need to let go of needing to read something else.
1: Before uh, Jim and Nora shut us down, I, I want us to talk a bit about um, what's different
2: this year in Advent. And, right, right.
1: Uh, and, and what you- we're doing with that.
2: Have you seen mm-hmm. the advertisements for the uh, the dumpster fire ornament, the 2020 dumpster fire?
1: No, but uh, they, get will they will sell many of those. <laughs> you, yeah, right. You know, I yeah. think the, the biggest difference for us all this, or, uh, for, for me, and I think I probably can speak for all of us, is that we can't be physically together, right? I mean, that is, uh, we can't worship together. We aren't taking communion together. And I don't think that that can really be minimized because I know it's taken a toll on a lot of us. I mean, it's it's something that we, you know, we long to be with our people. Um, so I think that's really it. But I will say the flip side of that mm-hmm. is that we are far more technologically equipped now mm-hmm. than we have ever been. Absolutely. And, and for parishes that are, you know smaller than some of the inside the perimeter churches. You know, I know that you and I both have gotten great video equipment this year, and we're doing things that we wouldn't have dreamed of doing this time last year.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, and I was, I was just floored by how when we put the word, we put the call out for, you know, the Vestry decided to do it. We, we didn't have any kind of video uh, recording and streaming equipment in the church. And when the Vestry decided to do it, we didn't have we were going to pull from whatever funds were were in the in the savings accounts and um uh we decided to put out a call for donations and we covered more or less the entire amount in donations people knew and and really understood that that was a place we needed to go Uh, and i think not just for now but for you know for all time and you
1: know this is a difficult time but i think that I love that we now have the c- capability to do what we can do. I have 90-year-old people who are now Zooming, right? They're, they're on Zoom and, they're, and they've become yeah. quite proficient on Zoom. Yeah. I just think about what we have gained in this period of time that we will be taking forward with us, right? right. Um, you know, I, I have restarted a Wednesday night evening prayer. It, 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 we either do evening prayer or Compline, and we weren't doing that on Wednesday night because I had so many people that don't drive after dark.
2: Right, so going to come you know,
1: out. Technology is giving us these opportunities for ministry that, you know, we, I, I am thrilled that we now have so many more ministry opportunities because of that. You know, many of us have talked about how on our Sunday services that we, one Sunday I know that we had somebody who was in California and Texas, and I, we were covering a number of states one Sunday, and, and that's pretty wonderful.
2: Um, yeah, I'm feeling some of that with, I, I try to do morning prayer on Facebook um, Monday through Thursday, and uh, Friday's my day off, and um, I'm getting people from Alabama, and South Carolina, and Texas, and, um, and regular, you know, regulars who found that it just works for them, and that, um, that's something I never would have even thought of before, that people from these other far-flung places could benefit from what, from just me trying to maintain my prayer life, right? And trying to offer yeah. that to others.
1: I think that's very true. And I think, you know, a second thing that I think about is how uh, with COVID and political division, um, I don't know about you, but it seems like Advent becomes all the more important at this time. Hmm.
2: I don't know if, if you have experienced that. Yeah, so um, there's something, uh, well, you said before you talked about about uh, seasons like Advent and Lent being a bit of a shell or a container for work that we need and, and time that we need and space that we need. And, um, and yeah, to me, I, I I feel bad for the re- the parts of the world that don't know about <laughs> this season that that calls us into into slowing down into into contemplation into into anticipation hope for for what is coming and what what um, the you know the light that God has promised um, to continually bring into the world. Um, yeah, we we absolutely need it more than we ever have.
1: I I know that that is true for me. Um. One of the things that i also like is how our one of the things you guys probably know because you've heard edwin and me talk about this is about every other week for the first part of actually just until this month we've been meeting with the bishop every two weeks and right. with the and right in the in between weeks and so we we've actually spent a lot of time with our bishop and he's he's been saying some wonderfully wise things and i generally while I'm, I've got a cup of coffee in one hand, I'm taking notes, but one of the things that he said in our last meeting, he talks about this, I, I love calling it COVID time because that's what it seems like, he says that this is a season of major disrupt, a season of major disruption, but then to kind of throw back to Barbara Brown Taylor, I love her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, uh, because one of the things, the main thesis of that is some of the best lessons that we learn are lessons that we learn in the dark. Yeah. So I, I think we have this wonderful opportunity during this period of chaos. Um, you know, I like to think that we are in this process of discerning and distilling during this time and and really trying to figure out what the church is going to look like when we come out of this period of time. Right. I mean I I I I think we all look forward to going back to the way things were, but we also know that things aren't going to be like that. When, you know, we've changed in this period of time, and that is a good thing. Um, And then Bishop Wright said something else. He said that we are cutting through and asking what is precious and what is expendable. Mm. So I think we have this time and this opportunity to really emerge from this. I hope we emerge from this with a clear sense of what our purpose is and a renewed sense of our mission. And I'm hoping in this disruption that we are doing the work, right? That we're not just waiting for this to be over. Yeah. actually doing yeah. work that we need to be doing so that when we come out of it, that we will hit the ground running and be flexible and you know ready for the next thing.
2: Well, I, there's nothing I can add to, to your, your words about, you know, your reflection there and what the Bishop said and the, the opportunity to, to, um, to be ready for what's next. Uh, I do hope that we're all praying, uh, about what our, our part is clergy lay ordained, not ordained. I do hope everybody's praying about sort of what their part is in the church, the church that is going emerges from, from this season, um, over here, I do think that there's going to be a lot of rebuilding that has to be done. And, but, but it's an opportunity. You know? It's an opportunity for hope. What, what, what have we distilled? How have we changed in, in a way that can help us not try to just build back exactly what we think we had, but build back a church that, um, that's, I don't know, that's more connected with the community, that's um, more connected with each other, that appreciates each other more, more, more and more, or, you know, all these, these kinds of things.
1: We have a question. Yeah,
2: Jim, we're running out of time. I, oh, I yeah. see.
1: I'm going to give you our, the question that we have. There's been a certain awareness for a number of years that many people find Advent to be not a period of joyous anticipation, but rather one of quiet despair. This year, there seems to be much more despair that is difficult to ameliorate in our isolation. What opportunities do we have in Advent today to be responsive to our communities? Allah expanded blue Christmases mm.
2: that's a great question mm-hmm. you know yeah. we, have,
1: we have a blue we we have had blue Christmas services yeah we have two and you have two right
2: mm. couple t- couple years yeah How do you, I mean it, yeah how you offer that to the wider public and, and the situation we're in that's that's tough. Um, Except that you have, you know, maybe maybe we could take advantage of Facebook Live and and um, YouTube and those kind of things to get get liturgies out there. Um, but I, I do, like
1: that. maybe we could even do something jointly. I mean that you know I I think of of what's happened in my own community, deaths where we couldn't be present with our brothers and sisters. Right? I mean, there's a lot right. going on. People who I are. One,
2: on. I had one yesterday.
1: Yeah. Right. You you have, yes, you've had a number. Uh, but I think um, Stanley, you, you bring up a good a good point. How are we going to address this particular issue right now?
2: Can I can I just say real quick from my sort of practical standpoint, Stanley? Um, and I was talking with the parishioner about this on the phone just a little while ago. I I'm particularly wondering about um you know, the tremendous burden on our healthcare professionals. Um, you know, in Georgia, it, it's not quite there yet, right? As it is in some other states, but it's coming this winter. I mean, the pressure and the, the incredible strain and stress on them is, is coming. And I wonder what we can do to support them. And, I, and, I, and that's about where it ends. I don't know. Uh, this parishioner had heard of a story of um, some churches making lunches. Or providing providing lunches, probably just buying them, catered or whatever, for nurses and doctors and, and on a shift. Um, and maybe just that little thing of, of giving them, they don't have to worry about provide, providing their own lunch or finding it, fixing it, buying it. They have a little moment of their own little moment of true downtime in 30 minutes in a, in a hospital shift. I don't know. But that's where, I, that's where my mind is gone when I'm thinking about the, the despair and isolation
1: and then I also think it's really important for us to be aware of our own communities and who is who's particularly vulnerable. Right. And, and I actually so think one thing where Zoom can be a good tool. We were uh, YouTubing our service and then we realized that people weren't coming afterwards to Zoom coffee hour, they kind of needed to be. So we're finding that Zoom is where we can create connection. Mm -hmm. whereas just the youtube film you know videotapes don't offer that same thing so you know maybe one of the things that we do is you know also urge our people to be connected in um some way because i know that that has been a very being together sunday mornings for a zoom we call it our noisy narthex (laughs) we visit and just check in with people has become one of I think that's actually one of our best ministries right now, is the noisy narthex on Sunday on oh, Sunday morning.
2: I'm glad that's working for you. I, I wonder about phone calls. Like a lot of our people might just, if we could get over, you know, the the difficulty of calling somebody we don't feel like we really know. You know, they're in our church, but we don't know them. If we could get over that, I think just make just to connecting with people by phone could also be a great help. Jim, um, don't let us take over here. Um, tell us okay. about the time.
0: Well, we have about three minutes to. I was wondering if anyone has a question they'd like to ask. Yes, no,
2: or a comment to make.
0: Well, okay, yeah, just you know, announce yourself and ask it if you do. Okay, I think you've answered everyone's questions.
3: <laughs> I have one question. Oh, Gail, yes. Hi. Um, I've I've totally enjoyed the the conversation. Thank you both um and for the folks making this happen I I do have to um it really resonated the fact that this whole everything being so crushed and rushed um what we used to with with advent you know with Christmas and planning and the, and um for me personally it's really forced me as you can see in the background my tree is up that's the first um for many years because December is a crazy time for me so but i made a concerted effort (laughs) to literally just slow down so that really that was one of the things that really hit the, the spot there um the other thing real quick um is the our attention being paid to folks who were really struggling at this time i am encountering a lot of people who are um i myself uh was you know just it was getting really the better of me so i i i don't know what that looks like and I and i'm praying for it too as to how we can serve um each other and i like the idea with our healthcare workers because i do know uh, many folks in there who are just totally on on you know on pins and needles for you know for their proximity to the you know to the patient so um it, it's a constant praying and you know for discernment
2: i'm in i'm in again
0: Okay. If we have no other comments or questions, uh, we're going to um, wrap this. Yes.
3: Hi. I just wanted to say to Edwin, I really appreciated the story of your discernment and just the reminder, especially right now, that things happen in God's time. Mm. And all this is so uncomfortable for everyone right now, but God is still holding all of us and you know carrying us through all of this. And that's what Advent is all
2: about. Amen, yes. Thank you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Love it.
0: Well, we thank everyone for for coming, especially Jane and Edwin. It's been a a real treat to have you. And uh, I wanted to let you know that next week we're having the Reverend Lori Reed from All Angels in Eatonton. And the Reverend Ruth N. Tate, who is a retired priest from uh, St. Andrews. fort valley and they'll be discussing incarnation so that we will certainly be continuing our advent theme so oh and uh, don't forget next week barbara brown taylor on the 11th at 7 p.m
2: with kathy zappa
0: with kathy zappa having a conversation uh about her new book barbara's new book so um I'm sure you all want to attend that also. So uh, Edwin, if you will end our session with a prayer.
2: Almost, almost forgotten, that I had it ready. Let's pray. This is um, the colic for the first week in Advent that I think is one of my favorites of all the colics. Let's pray. Almighty God, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all again, and we will hopefully see you next week.
2: Thanks so much, you guys. This was fun.
1: Thanks Thanks for having us. It was really good. Thank you. Thanks.